0: The views and opinions expressed on the Poor Ass Podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of BME Recovery Content Productions. Any content provided by our guests are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. And on that note, enjoy the episode. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. I have a new website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes. That's www.p-o-r-a-s-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t.com. So if you hear uh, vcomedy.com, that is the old website. Go to www.poraspodcast.com for episodes and enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Bye. The podcast where we talk about tough shit, on a budget and can we live a sustainable life while on a budget my guest today is dan wilson comedian musician and good friend and he's been living in la for the past a while a while now now but i first met him um in comedy he started doing comedy before before me in the San Francisco area and that's how we knew each other just going going on shows and and stuff and so he's been but now he's living in LA and this is this is more like a catch-up a catch-up call and also um he has a really really it's not an interesting story it's a really it's a story of trans- transformation which, um, if you first look at Dan, you would think like, yeah, he has it all together, and his a story of transformation. Um, Real, I really wanted to get his his story on how that came about, and um, and how he's been doing in the pandemic. So, how has this pandemic been treating you, Dan?
1: Uh well. <laughs> First of all, hello. It's great to hear your voice. Uh, I know it's been far, far, far too long. Actually, it's funny when you um, when you're like, yeah, he's been in L.A. for even I was like, mm, uh, uh. like I honestly uh, maybe it was back in June. Actually, it was my um, seventh year in Los Angeles, but I actually thought it was my fifth. So I'm like, oh, five years. This is crazy. And I'm like, oh, no, I've lost two years of my life somewhere else. And <laughs> Um, and in that, you know, in that vein, uh, losing our, our years, this, uh, it's strange. This pandemic has been a, you know, it's been odd for everybody. And I think it's been difficult, um, just from the standpoint of it's tough to be going through sort of a global traumatic experience together and, try to give a shit about somebody else's feelings during this or (laughs) like we're all going through something, but I kind of need to do me right now. Uh, just cause I kind of need to handle me and just worry about me and not to say it's every man for itself, but it really has been sort of a, you know, great time to sort of just turn inward as everybody you know has been fighting and at each other's throats and the, uh, it's weird. This pandemic has revealed a lot. And I think that it's been sort of an unintentional, um, silver lining to everything. And I think on a personal level, but also just on a global level, there's a lot of stuff that we're t- dealing with. Holy shit. <laughs> and it's odd because, uh, you know, there's a, there's a little bit of guilt in saying, Oh, the pandemic has treated me well because <laughs> it hasn't, but at the same time it has like, it's, it's been an interesting opportunity to, um, sort of assess where I'm at as a person, assess where I'm at as a comedian, as a musician, as a, somebody with a day job still paying the bills, a brother, you know, a, a lover, a friend. It's, it's been a very interesting period of time to sort of see, uh, you know, it's, it's almost revealing your fabric, like who you really are. And it's, I know it's kind of bringing out a side of me that I can honestly say I'm proud of, and I'm excited because as I'm going through these these transformations, and as we're all going through it, because boy, are we going through one right now? Um, yeah, I'm I'm finding out a lot about myself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: So, so you're um, an essential worker, mm-hmm. and and just to break. Usually, like when people say, "Oh, uh, essential worker mean means like nurse, nurse, and doctor," but you work in a building,
1: mm-hmm. and I'm you a... go
0: you go to work every day. You have to be on site, and you and you do wear a mask. Yeah. So, how how has being an essential worker like impacted your you know your emotional, mental, physical budgets?
1: Ooh, that's a very interesting question because, um. I can admit that at the beginning of this, I did not handle it well because there is sort of this feeling of, oh, so my entire team is at home (laughs) because they're scared to death and yet here I am. And what does that mean and what does that tell me? And what is the – like it it kind of fucked me up a little bit because it questioned my value. I'm like, boy, am I expendable? Are you guys just totally cool with me going out into the (laughs) – the scary ether and, and, you know, taking this, you know, on this pandemic and these killer viruses that we know nothing about. And at the time, like I see actually right now, like earlier today, I went to the store real quick, got some food, whatnot. And it's crazy to see how many people are out and how back to normal everything looks versus that first few weeks where nobody was out, nobody was driving. And it, you get kind of this, like there was almost this apocalyptic feel to it because you're like, all right, I'm in Los Angeles. And where is everybody? I mean, it's one of the most hustling, bustling cities in the world, 24 million people in, you know, a roughly like 20 to 30 square mile radius. And yet here I am driving to work, not a car on the streets, you know, nobody out, you don't even see people. And you're just kind of like, Oh, I'm the nobody gives a shit about guy. Like that's the guy that just, "Hey man, get to work. Like we just need you." But I realized in my conversations with my leadership um what they kind of looked at it as and this is where the the conversation can take an interesting twist because it really sort of highlighted um an issue of mine that played back to me um as a person, like like my emotions and sort of my mental, the way I view things and see things that have been laid out previously and it sort of flared it. And basically I ended up in this place where, like I said, I was feeling pretty picked on and feeling pretty, you know, singled out and like, well, I guess I'm, I'm the guy and I'm aware that I have a very interesting job. I, I'm basically a building doctor and it's kind of strange because people don't really think about you know, when you step into an office or a building or really any structure, somebody has taken great care and great time to make sure that when you walk into that structure, everything is perfect for you. And you don't have any like nothing calls out to, oh, I should watch out for that or, oh, that's not working or. So um, without getting too deep into where I do it, because I can't fully discuss that, uh, not trying to be cool or <laughs> no, hey, yeah. man. can't tell you super secret but (laughs) (laughs) in the know but it's like yeah i'd I'd be in trouble if they (laughs) if they knew i was talking about it but um long story short um i'm a building engineer during the day that it's my job to think about and to study and to figure out what it's going to take to when you step back into your office you're not going to have any impact any fear of are things being taken care of? Are things being cleaned? Are things, you know, being swapped out in terms of like filters for air and water? And I'm really sort of accidentally on the cutting edge of this really fascinating, um, it's almost like an experiment where we're basically trying to find out what it's going to take to fight COVID to get our people back into their spaces safely. And in doing that, I sort of realized, oh, I have a very important job. It's not that I'm An expendable person it's just that I have such a like a niche like down to the bone like I am it when there's a a late night water leak or you know there's a fire or we've had like actually just the other day we had uh, a guy they were looking for suspects with uh, guns and we had to lock down the campus and I'm literally up on top of the parking garage like scanning (laughs) playing like Mm -hmm hawk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's some Jason Bourne. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and of course me being a total diva, I had to live stream it on Facebook cause you know, it's got to be exciting and you check out what's going on. But, um, just even like the past week has kind of helped me understand, Oh no, I was so quick to get angry at the thought of, Oh, so I'm the first guy you're going to stick back in the building. That's cool. What about me and my family? But then I stopped and I was like, yeah, but there really are a certain, like there's certain people in this world that can chug. And I figured out through a lot of personal loss that I know how to chug. And what I mean by that is I can keep things moving. I can still be a reliable person. I can still be front and center. I can still be somebody who's leading the charge and yeah, I'm scared. Yeah, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen. And even at the time, I was ill, and I didn't know if it was COVID, and I, I still was coming into work, and you cough, and everybody looks at you like, terrorist. And you're like, no, I'm just, uh, you know, it's. it became like this weird thing. But in the end, I was like, oh, no, I'm just always so quick to assume the worst. And where my brain has always gone is that when somebody says no to me, or somebody says, I need you to do this. Or you have to do this. My brain just always defaulted to, you're doing this because you don't like me. Or you hate me. Or you you don't value me. And it was weird. Because I I've always gone through that my whole life. But this is the first time I stopped. And I was like, whoa, bro. What are you mad about? Because, I mean, they're heavily relying on you. And this is like a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar, like, top, like, you know, tech company that I'm literally running the campus for and like leading this charge and nobody has ever seen this in the modern world and, and, you know, today's society in terms of like 1918. Yeah. But we didn't have, uh, office complexes and, you know, and startups and people weren't like, how do we get back in and change the air filters? It was like, no, you just died because you're outside and it's shacks and you, you know, everybody just, farms or does what they do but um it it sparked an interesting journey and from that moment of getting sick um it was weird because I was sick for about a month I didn't have COVID I don't know what I had but I did the antibody test and did everything and found out I didn't have it and went back to work and whatnot but that initial like I it's very strange like I don't know if it was like a little spark in my brain or just like a little trigger but it triggered me But then it did something that it had never done before. And like I was saying, it it caused me to stop and go, oh, no, I'm looking at it the wrong way. And I'm just Mm -hmm. immediately jumping on my emotions and not necessarily thinking through. And having known me so long, you know that uh, I am a guy who will launch a nuclear fucking bomb of emotions right off the bat. (laughs) (laughs) and not necessarily angrily. Like I do try to keep it, like, I don't just lash out and I don't like to scream at people, but I do get mean. And I never was really, truly a fan of that. It was a product of the home I grew up in. It was just kind of the way it was. Like you just at each other's throats and you got to able to, you know, hold your own. And so I was kind of learning like, okay, I've got a great job and I'm in a good place and the world just went crazy am I really going to blow it by like acting out because I'm pissed off? Like, no, let's just take a deep breath. And it really started this kind of uh, journey from there of like, okay, man, you, you keep looking at things wrong. Maybe it's time to just sort of breathe and think about something from all the different angles first, before you proceed with that. And, um, it kind of, it allowed me, you know, like what you kind of mentioned up front with some of the emotional budget. Um, it's kind of funny, but like, I, where I'm going with this, I'll I'll tie it together. It's I like, I do not believe in auto pay mostly because I'm like, I don't want you to take my money if I don't have it. <laughs> like if you, like if Verizon's like, Hey, every, every month on the 13th, I'm going to take your money. I'm like, well, I don't always have money on the 13th. I might need you to kind of hold back. And where I'm going with that is that it kind of gave me some, like the ability to do that with my emotions where I'm like, okay, I'm being asked to pay an emotion right now, but I'm not necessarily going to pay all up front. I'm going to hold back a second. I'm going to kind of assess the situation, determine how much of this energy and how much of my emotion I owe it, and then I'll pay it. And it really helped me out go from oh, I just explode and run and all this emotion right up front, and I don't even necessarily need to do that. And and it's taxing and it's, you know, it sucks a lot of your energy out of you to go around all day like that because a lot of people just approach you just looking for something and it's no big deal there's nothing malicious behind it but when you're always on edge because that's kind of the environment you came up in you know you just your knee jerk is attack and it's you know these last few months have kind of taught me not to attack but actually sit back and be sort of thoughtful and not necessarily cerebral but just think about my my responses and my approaches and it's It's really helped me with even my personal life and just, you know, friendships, relationships and not necessarily, you know, because we we all have times where somebody maybe goes out without you and you feel left behind and you're like, what the fuck, man? I thought we were friends. But Mm. it's like, yeah, at the same time, um, there is not a soul on this earth I want to see every day. No offense to anybody, even myself. <laughs> it's just, I, I don't think it's healthy to see a human being, another human being every single day. Like I, I believe in sort of, you know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And to, a, to an extent, but also my mother had the greatest line. She said, how can I miss you if you don't fucking go away? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that is perfection. <laughs> it's the wow. most simple down to the bone you know, comment you could get to. And it's, it's been interesting. I mean, this through that, I've kind of learned to be like, Oh, let's take a break. And let's, you know, it's, it's made me a better employee, better, better friend. I'm not necessarily jumping down uh, people's throats quite the way it used to.
0: (laughs) So your move, your, your move from uh, the Bay Area to Los Angeles um, was kind of, from what I remember, it was it was a bit a bit abrupt. Yeah, and we did a show. We did a show together, and it was like that night or the next day. Your your mom passed away, and it was just like so. Jo- and then the next thing, and I'm following this on on Facebook. And the next thing, you're moving to LA. Yeah. So um, a quite a quite quite sudden. And um, how? Like, like how, how did that, how did that happen? Because it was, it was, it was so sudden, but how did you move, move through that?
1: That was, I would honestly say, um, that was probably, um, the worst time of my life and the best decision. And what, what sort of facilitated the whole thing was obviously, you know, my mother passing away was... Uh, completely unexpected and abrupt, and she passed away young. And it's, you know, unusual for me because I was suddenly catapulted into being the man of the family. And even though my father was still around, my father, the last, I'd say, 10 years or so, began to really just lose steam um, and just stopped coming around, stopped calling, and, yeah, My mother and father were still together uh, up until the day she passed away. It's just that um, my mother was always coming to my shows and, you know, birthdays. She was always around family parties. But my dad would kind of hang back and just do his own thing, and it was unusual. Um, And we didn't quite notice it because Mom was the glue, and she was always there, and she was sort of sweeping everything under the rug for him. But when she passed, all of a sudden he was exposed and the family was exposed and the glue is gone and suddenly the pot is broken. And um, I found myself in this going back, actually back to this was where the chug began. This is when I discovered exactly how tough I, I could be potentially because um, I had lost, I guess, you know, it's strange to say that I'm lucky in this regard, but I had been through losing my best friend pretty young. I lost him at, um, 23 years old. And so I had already dealt with, uh, like crushing heartbreak and unexpected death and sudden, um, you know, trauma. And so this time around, it's, it's really interesting. Um, and not to go too far back, but to paint just a little bit of a picture, that's precisely why I was so goddamn angry from Mm -hmm. (laughs) 2003 until, still now in, in ways and forms, but I've, you know, I've really gotten better about it and really learned to deal with it. But what was unusual about my mom's passing was I was suddenly thrust into, okay, my father fell apart and he can no longer be relied upon to be the father. So now my brother is one of the greatest guys in the world, but Um, he has some disabilities and he's a guy who struggles a lot with, um, just sort of the, I I think his disabilities are socially based and, you know, he doesn't communicate well. He, he struggles with uh, sharing feelings and whatnot, but yet one of the greatest dudes in the world. And I feel like I had to be tough for him. I had to be tough for my older sister who had been through a lot as well, um, And then my little sister was just ripped apart. And Mm. so who holds it together? Who is going to be the glue now? Because it's not going to be dad. Dad is incapable of that. And, you know, to be honest, has always been incapable of that. I don't, you know, he, his life was massively fucked up and, It's why when people go, oh man, your story is tragic. And I'm like, it's not though. Like it's, it's pretty normal to like, I hear other people's stories. Like my dad lost two wives and his first wife, he lost in childbirth and they lost that child. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, dude, I haven't been through that. You kidding me? And like, I remember people saying to me, I'm so sorry that you lost your mother. And I'm like, I didn't lose her. Like I'm actually and it this is where this sort of shift began away from angry to like a different me. Um, I realized I was like, I did not lose her. I am so goddamn lucky I had her. like I had her my whole life up until she was fifty five and I think I was thirty one when she passed away. A lot of people don't get that, a lot of people, and some people never know their parents, and um, I didn't have a great relationship with her in the beginning but it sort of flopped and you know we really got good towards the end and and that's part of the tragedy of it but uh what was you know strange about everything was was suddenly I was in charge and at that time I was on motherfucking fire with comedy (laughs) I was smoking I was everywhere I was doing like six shows a night. I was doing stuff with Robin Williams at, you know, Throckmorton and him and I became friends and, you know, then another tragic loss with him that just crushes your, your goddamn soul. And, uh, musically I had literally, our band had just gotten on MTV. We had just won a contest. We were touring like to say I had it all was an understatement. Like I had a great job during the day. I was kicking ass at night. And so why does somebody walk away from that? Like what prompts somebody to just go, eh, I I, I gotta go. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah.
1: And a I lot remember. of yeah, a lot of people ask that question and I realized that I never fairly answered it. And I had a lot of people reach out to me, like uh, um, you know, good friend that we both know, mutual friend Connor uh, Kellicut said, I remember being angry at him for this, and now I'm not. I I love the guy. And yeah. I always loved him like kind of an older brother figure and he pissed me off when he did this, but you know, it came from such a good place. And again, it's me, the nerd, the knee jerk lash out. And it was sort of what, and I didn't lash out at him, but I wanted to and I was prompted to, cause he, he sent me a message when I said I was leaving and he goes, what are you doing, dude? Why are you going? Like, what do you, what's there for you? Do you know how many people I've seen leave and come back? You're just going to leave and come back. So why are you leaving? Like you haven't even made it at home yet. And, you know, I took that kind of personally as like a, you're coming at me, but it was really from a loving older brother. Like, I don't want you to go and fail place. And, um, but I, I never answered him and I never answered somebody like a Pete Munoz, who's a a very, very, very close friend, a brother. And, he was like, What are you doing, dude? And I'm like, I gotta go. And I that's what I just told people. I, I gotta go. And I just left. But what I I did not detail for people was that to be going at that pace. I had a lot of success and a lot of what people wanted. And a lot of my contemporaries continued on and are now famous, successful, doing very well. You know, like a W come out bell is somebody that I've uh, you know, had known pretty well. And Ali Wong is somebody that I had known pretty well. And, you know, Hassan Minhaj is now, you know, into the stratosphere. And it's like, and it was strange because it's like, dude, you were, you were doing mics with those people. You were on shows with those people. And, And let's be honest. And, you know, some, sometimes you showed those people up. So what happened? Well, what happened was I knew that if I continued at the pace I was going, I was going to kill myself and whether it was by suicide, which suicide is not something that I think it's healthy to have it cross your mind, but it's not something that I've ever, like, I wouldn't say like, you know how you look like Chris Cornell is somebody who everyone's like, I can't believe he committed suicide. But then you're like, dude, go back and listen to some of the songs. Jesus Christ, pretty noose. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The, the, the red flags were there and I don't feel that I'm, somebody who's ever been red flagged like i i think it's okay to feel that and i think it's normal to think about it and i i don't think it's selfish personally i think if you're in that much pain and that's something that you choose for yourself i'm one of those people that like i can't imagine and i can't put myself in your shoes and so i can't judge you and i can't be angry at you i'm sad you're gone but you know i've had friends take their lives like chris himes i, I don't know uh, if you yeah. knew him but no, i do yeah. yeah yeah somebody we go back with that like, man, my I cried, like, so many tears over that guy. And he'll never know. And people go, well, that's selfish. And I'm like, no, I'm just glad he's not hurting anymore. Like, that's what how I truly feel on the inside.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, the truth is that I was in a lot of pain. And I mean a lot. And I, for lack of a better way of putting it, is I had to leave. Because it was like being crushed in every single direction because you are you're doing a mic right and you're seeing your buddies and your friends and your whatnot but your mind isn't there you don't give a fuck like Mm -hmm. and you're you know you're telling jokes to guys at the bar that got their back to you and they just turn around and they're just like ah you suck and you know when you're not in a good place that is like a recipe for the nuke and And I knew that. And I, I was like, okay, I better back off a little bit and give myself some time. And, um, I went back a week later and I actually just happened to be in the neighborhood. Uh, there was a mic going on. Pete and Butch were there. Um, Butch Escobar, Ben Del Castillo, an old friend of ours. Um, and those guys, dude, they picked me up hard. And, uh, I did a set went well, felt good again, but, I just knew that I wasn't there and I wasn't in it and I didn't really care that much. And so you know, as time went on, I, I continued to chug, I was still doing really well, but what actually facilitated the move and I never told anybody this, um, but what it's, it's weird. There's two parts to it. First of all, I exploded on a manager of mine, uh, during my day job. Uh, to a point that I was basically told, either you go to LA or you're fired. And mm. yeah, and the long short of it was that uh, I had had surgery just before my mom passed away, too. Um, I was down for probably two or three months and wasn't wasn't doing anything. I wasn't going to work. I was literally stuck in my room. And was sort of feeling very isolated and very lonely. And like what we're familiar with now, thanks to quarantine, those of, you know, people that are single or, or live alone, like myself, you know, you're, you're home alone all day and you just start losing your shit a little bit. Cause you're like, I haven't even talked today. This is crazy. <laughs> and wow. I was feeling a lot of that right during that same period of time. Cause I'm stuck at home and I'm not hearing from people, friends aren't reaching out. And I'm angrily going, why isn't everybody reaching out to me? But I'm also thinking maybe people feel awkward and maybe people don't know what to say to me right now because I'm going through a weird thing. And then when my mother passed away, that went tenfold. It was like, I have no idea what to say to you, man. And I get it. Uh, But I was very, very, very snappy. And I was literally like finger on the button at all times. And I was supposed to get this promotion at work and while I was out on leave, the, my manager got fired and a woman that I actually trained and was under me leapfrogged me into that position. And the problem was that she, uh, she was interested in me and I wasn't interested in her. So she was like, okay, man, since you're not into it, uh, I'm changing your schedule. So she changed me so that I couldn't do comedy. She, she changed me over to a night work schedule and she uh, basically pulled the plug on my promotion and she pulled the plug on my raise and did all this knowing full well what I was dealing with with my mother. And so I exploded and I said, you know, um, I've, obviously it's been a while, but mm-hmm. I've said something loosely around, you know, nobody's ever going to fucking respect you for this and everybody's going to remember this. And all my guys here, because I had a team of guys that worked under me, I said, all of my guys are never going to work for you. And I gave these guys literally my blood, sweat, and tears. And then you fucked me because I wouldn't fuck you. Okay, I'll remember that. We'll all remember that. And I did that in front of 50 people at work and made her cry and explode into tears. And that should have been the end of my time there. Because <laughs> <laughs> that I, I can admit that was inappropriate and the wrong thing to do. Mm-hmm. Was it justified uh, emotionally? Yes. But, um, you know, in in reality, as an older man, I could say, "Nah, you don't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And so I was basically told, like, hey, you're moving to L.A. now. And she knew well that the guy down in L.A. was a shitbag and that he was going to try to break me. And she doesn't know me that well that I'm Dan fucking Wilson. So if you're going to try to break me like ooh, we're gonna have fun because we're gonna go back and forth and that's actually kind of what happened when I did get there I had boy that's a whole another podcast episode because I could talk all about the uh, blow-ups and battles and damn near fist fights I had with that guy but it was kind I of I remember
0: like, the post I remember
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talking about like yeah my boss just threatened to kill me at a bar that's kind of cool yeah oh, wow. <laughs> Yeah. And it's all because he was just this little angry dude and he, he, he just didn't like anybody and he treated everybody that way. But I was the first guy to fight back and he didn't like that shit one bit. And he was very Trump like in his demeanor and approach. And he just thought that everybody needed to be loyal to him and bow to him. And that wasn't my style. Like I'm, I'm sort of an equal, like we're all in this together and we're a team, not like, oh, I work for you and your dad and you make the decisions and if you want to disrespect me or call me late at night at like 1130, just to see if I'll answer like crazy shit, you know, but all that sort of pushed me there. And I just, what made me say yes. The part two to answering that was everywhere I went because I really molded over for a few weeks and I didn't really tell anybody that that was on the table, but everything hurt. And I would go to work and I would drive past things that I would see that reminded me of her mm-hmm. or like, oh, dude, what killed me was I drove past my my childhood home. What a mistake.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. And it's just fucking instant tears and just the waterworks. And uh, so,
0: um, no one lives there anymore or the house was sold.
1: Uh, the house was sold. Somebody lives there. And actually, it's it's an old family friend of ours that still lives there. So it's kind of cool because that place is still, you know, it's still there, still kept up the same way. It still looks exactly the same. Mm-hmm. If I wanted to go peek my head in, they'd probably let me because they remember me and they're cool and all. But oh. I I kind of don't want to do that. I'm sort of like, let's just, mm-hmm. you know, we had, we had our time there and it was great and I don't want to bother them. But um, it got to a point where just... Everything hurts so much that I couldn't take it anymore. It was just uh, like, uh, I'm dying. Everywhere I look, it hurts. Everything I hear hurts. Everybody I talk to hurts. And, you know, your friends are weird towards you because they're like, I've never been through that, man, and I don't know what to say to you. I don't know what's going to make you feel better. And I remember a time when, when my best friend passed away. Some woman came up to me at the funeral and said, I'm so sorry about your friend, you know. Uh, I know how you feel. My grandmother just passed away. And I was like, oh, your grandmother was 23 years old and got fucking shot down in a helicopter in Afghanistan? That's crazy, bitch. <laughs> 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 <And> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. God,
0: the, the attempts to relate.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, I, and God damn it, Dan, why would you do that to somebody? Like, fuck, <laughs> you dickhead. <laughs> Just and yeah. totally unnecessary. I didn't call her a bitch. I would never. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the sentiment was
1: there. Yeah, it was just the feeling. Um, but,
0: yeah, yeah. The, yep, yep.
1: But I did say, oh, I'm sorry to hear that your your grandmother also died at 23 in Afghanistan. And <laughs> she, she sort of stared at me like, oh, okay, <laughs> smart ass. <laughs> It, it's so
0: funny because yeah, I guess you thought I was hot. And I was like, "Where is this like coming <laughs> coming from?" Yeah. You you messaged me on MySpace and you introduced yourself to me, and you weren't creepy at all. It's like, "Oh, okay, this is this is cool." Yeah. But um, talk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know story. I think it'd be cute for the the listeners. Like your first impression of me.
1: Yeah. So um. I know my girlfriend's going to listen. I'll apologize now to her. But this was so many years ago. Don't worry. Everything's fine. But um, I vividly remember because even though I'm a pretty uh, prolific stoner at this point, like my long term memory is fucking crazy. Like (laughs) I couldn't tell you what I just said, but I could tell you what I said 10 years ago randomly. But um, it was funny because I do recall I was... I had started going to Ron's farmhouse and Ron's farmhouse, just legendary, like dump, like well known for it's comedy night because we would do the mics and then the showcase. And, uh, you know, Justin McClure, uh, I kind of latched onto him quickly. I didn't necessarily like him and he wasn't necessarily nice to me or a likable guy, but I just knew who was in charge and I knew what to do. So yeah. I kind of, And I was always that guy. I was kind of grunt-like. I was like, you need help building the stage? Man, I'll help you build the stage. Like, I just want to get up there. All right, Mm -hmm. cool. Help me out. And so um, there was one night you walked in for the first time, and I don't know if you know this part, but at the time, there was a girl who was obsessed with me, and she came to every show, and everybody thought she was my girlfriend, but she wasn't, and I was just too nice to tell her to go away. and. Wow. Yeah. And she was always there. And it got weird later, like really weird, like altercation type weird. But Mm -hmm. um, at that point, uh, I was in the back and she knew what time I got there. So she would just show up and she would just be right on time and right there. And I was like, okay. So I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to go talk to Justin. I'm going to get away from this scene for a second. So I go over to Justin real quick and I'm kind of talking to him. And that's when you walked in. And I don't remember, like, what you were wearing. I don't, like, I don't remember that deeply. But I just do recall, I was like, is that Justin's girlfriend? Damn, he's doing all right. Like- <laughs> good job man because i saw you talk to him and i was like okay yeah you know he's a good looking guy good looking girl okay cool yeah and then um somebody said oh no she's a comic and my little fucking dog ears went whoop i was like what she's a comic and they're like yeah and i go hmm so i could talk to her and have a reason and it won't be creepy because i uh, i mean hey it's good to network and get to know people
0: yeah yeah <laughs>
1: And so, like, I sat there in the back um, for, like, a good few weeks with some other buddies of mine, just randos, like Richard Kiss, the little blast from the past there.
0: Wow. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. The crew. <laughs> yeah.
1: Good old buddy of mine. And then, you know, some other guys that have kind of come and gone since then. But um, we're just in the back. And I remember kind of like poking people just like, hey, uh, who is that? oh, she's a comic, Uh, but like nobody really knew anything about you. So I was like kind of poking people like, who is that? (laughs) Oh yeah, she's a comic. Oh yeah, she's a comic. And at the time, um, you know, I was probably, I'd say like a good, healthy 250 pounds. And at five, nine, there's nothing healthy about that shit at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was a very unhealthy (laughs) 250 pounds. But, um, I was like, yeah that girl won't even look at me you kidding me like look at her look nah so <laughs> I, I just played it cool and i was like all right i'll, I'll chit chat with her and and just maybe get to know her a little bit and blah 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 at the same time i was like i'm trying to get rid of this other creepy chick but she won't go away if i go talk to her i'm gonna be in trouble with this wow <laughs> this like girl's gonna lose her mind and there's gonna be a problem in the parking lot and it's gonna be weird and because that had happened before, strangely, and wow, so yeah, I just kind of sat there like a dork. I was definitely too shy to talk to you, like that's for sure, and mm-hmm. then I was like, yeah, I'm gonna kind of hang back and just I'll play the like cool guy, like, <laughs> yeah, I just want to network, man, but I was like, <laughs> I'm just trying to talk to this this woman because damn, she is beautiful, and she's a comic, like that's cool, we'll have something to connect on, and um then here we are all these years later. I mean, it's been what, 15 years now and we're, we're still friends and still, you know, interacting with each other and still keeping up with each other. And I, I'm so happy for that because I've had so many people come and go and my life has been just such a, all of our lives are, you know, like you're in Portland now and it's, you know, strange the way our paths take us and where thing, you know, the roads lead us. But the fact that, like people always say, oh, I hate Facebook. But it's like, dude, I'm able to keep in touch with people that I should have lost touch with forever ago. And it's sort of a blessing in that in that regard. And I, I look at it more like that now versus like Facebook sucks. It's like, no, it doesn't. It's just how you use it, man.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I I affectionately call you heir to the hottie club.
1: <laughs> and yes. this is
0: I I thought you were cute even before you lost the lost the weight. And it's so weird. Like, I don't know if it's like, you're the one who got away, but I don't know what the future will, will, will hold. But the first time then you just started losing, losing weight. Yeah. I mean, I don't like talk about like the start of your, your trans transformation, like how, not like how, so it's like the first time you started losing weight and I always thought you were like, you know, cute, cute before, and then you started losing weight. I'm what like, and then I was like, oh, okay, he's getting like like more more cute. And <laughs> and just like your attitude and everything, it's like, you're welcome to the Hottie Club. It was just like a thing. Like I would yeah. com- I would comment on, on Facebook about your progress. I'm like, heir to the Hottie Club. So I'd yeah. just like comment on that. So now it's like kind of like our our internal joke of like, yeah. air, like, I'm like <laughs> so every time okay, every time you would roast like like, um, like a Chad, and not to offend the real Chads out there, I'm talking about the persona or the energy of a Chad or a Brad, <laughs> yeah. and and there's a bunch of them in L. A. And you would just like, you know, go on your quest as president <laughs> yeah. of the Hottie Club. Uh, you're in L. A. Just doing doing God's work of. <laughs> <laughs> just putting putting these chads and these brads, like, in their fucking douchebag, like, place. And you would just roast them on Facebook and do your little post. And I was like, this is why you're heir to the hottie club.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I was like, I love yeah. it. Or I would comment, thank you for doing God's work. Keep doing
1: that. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> and... And like, um, so like, yeah, just like fun, just like fun, yeah. bullshit, bullshit, like, like that. So then pandemic happens mm-hmm. and you, okay. You have to talk about your pandemic patio.
1: Yes. And how did,
0: how did that <laughs> come? How did that come about?
1: Yeah. So, um, this is really cool. Actually, it's, it's really fun and it's, I, it's something that like, it's strange because I I have a lot of things in my in my life that I I hold on to that the average person would not hold on to. So like when my when my best friend passed away before that and I I promise I'm not going to make this gloomy and shitty but um before he passed away he had gone through several surgeries to try and save his leg because when he was shot down in the helicopter he couldn't he couldn't run anymore because the actually the helicopter landed on his leg and crushed it in like Oh 100. shit! Yeah, it was just a like oh. bag of bones. Yeah. And he went through all these surgeries. Um, he died of complications from those surgeries. But I always swore to God. I was like, whatever God you believe in, I my God is Angus Young from ACDC. So I would say when I swear to God, people are like, you don't even believe in God. I'm like, I believe in Angus Young, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that is my Lord and Savior, and. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, through He's, him. He all plays the are guitar. Possible.
0: He's the one that plays the guitar. He wears the schoolboy uniform. Yep, that's okay. my guy. That yeah, is, yeah. That is He's cool. Me.
1: That's like that's my life, top to bottom. Is that <laughs> little man? <laughs> <laughs> that little man. <laughs> Adorable little man. But um so when when Kyle had his injury, I swore I was like, dude, I'm never gonna disrespect my legs again because how lucky am I that they work? They work well. At the time, actually, the way I got heavy was I broke both of my legs playing football uh, in high school. And I wasn't able to adequately get my legs back under me. So it took me a long time. And then my weight loss back in 2010, I worked with a trainer that figured out how to, how to get me back. And that was really cool. So I was going to college at the time. I was going to San Jose State. I was working with a, a trainer there who's like, Oh, I've seen this before. I know how to fix your legs and got me back to being able to run. Like literally uh, there was a point in time where I was walking on the treadmill. And so fast forward, uh, you know, back to my journey and back to how this relates to the pandemic patio was it's one of those things where I'm like, okay, I'm very lucky that I've got a little bit of backyard space. So just like I was like, okay, I'm lucky that I got my legs. I'm going to utilize these puppies I'm never going to disrespect them. I've got this little backyard area right now. I've got a little bungalow. It's nothing fancy, but uh, I've got enough of a backyard area where we kind of had the conversation of like, all right, well, I'm stuck at home. And, you know, my girlfriend now, she comes over and like, we're kind of like sitting here like, what do we do? And you can only go for so many drives and you can't really go anywhere because, you know, everything's locked down for the most part. I mean, now, at this very moment, it's changing. But um, back then, the idea was, why don't we create like a little zen spot for ourselves? So we have a little something here at the place that we can um, just sort of use as our little our little quiet area and our safe spot. And so um, on a budget, DIY, we, we made a little pandemic patio. And basically what it was was... Um, My backyard, I've got the, like, it's just dirts and rock. And I've got this old Puerto Rican uh, landlady from New York. And she's like, I'm not putting grass out there. And I'm like, come on, Rose. Like, like this place looks like shit. And she goes, if you want to put grass, you do it. And I'm like, you own the place. And she goes, yeah, but you're renting. So you want to live there? You want to have the nice place? You do it. I'm like, all right. So she's really cool. But, like, you know, I do kind of spar with her on a few things there like you know hey can we fix the the cracks in the walls maybe that'd be nice yeah just deal with it all right lady (laughs) so we roll out like i went to home depot and actually uh anybody listening it's not as expensive as you think like if you think oh i can't afford to do that what are you kidding me yeah couple hundred bucks i achieved this and the way i achieved it was first and foremost and the most important thing to remind people is that I'm Dutch. And what that means is that I am the cheapest human being on this earth. (laughs) Like people think that like, Oh, Jews are cheap. I'm like, no, no. Are you kidding me? Go to Beverly Hills and tell me Jews are cheap. No, the Dutch, like we (laughs) refuse to spend an extra dollar. In fact, we refused like our country, uh, you know, the Netherlands, we refused to like, be friendly with the Germans. So we just pushed more land out into the ocean to make more country. We're like, we're going to get the fuck away from you guys by just (laughs) digging out the ocean. And we did it. (laughs) (laughs) So I come from Mm. generations of that. Like, I hate you so much. I'm going to fucking push my way out into the water to get away from you. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want to spend a dime to do it. So, um, basically what I did was I went to home Depot. Uh, I got a nice little, um, like 12 by six, uh, turf and it's astro turf. But when you put your feet on it, it literally feels like, like real grass. And everyone's kind of like, oh, you, we all know it's real grass yeah." when you come over and see it. But there it like, it's the smallest, tiniest little thing. But on a day like today, like right now, uh, we're going through a heat wave here in Los Angeles. It's about 102 today. It's pretty miserable. Um, so you go outside and when you put your feet on that cool turf, even though it's not real and it, it feels real enough that you literally feel yourself grounding and you literally feel like that, just that uh of the heat and just uh, everything going on with you and tired and dehydrated and whatnot, everything just kind of lifts because of that cool feeling through your feet. Because a lot of people don't realize like, like when I played football, one of the ways they told you to keep warm is... Hands, feet, head, those are the three things. Everything else is whatever. Like your arms, your body, your torso, your legs, they'll take care of themselves. Like they have blood flow pumping, but you want to keep the areas of your body that get the least blood flow because they're the appendages at the end. You want to keep those warm and vice versa. You want to keep those cool. So if you're ever out like in the middle of the desert um, and you're in big trouble or you're lost or something focus on your head your hands and your feet you'll be okay mm. from there screw mm. the body who gives a shit? you know just keep <laughs> it covered up so you're not exposed but um okay a little, uh, little survivalist tip there a little bear grills action but
0: <laughs> i was thinking um, that i was like Ooh, yeah. some bear Grylls tip
1: <laughs> yeah and then uh here in inglewood we eat rats to stay alive now uh <laughs> although we could um But I, yeah, so I, I went and I got the little grass and it was really kind of the linchpin, but I did a few other small things. Like I, you, you don't think you're going to buy patio furniture from a Ralph's or if you're in the Bay area, a Safeway. Um, I think it's Safeway up there too, but, uh, you can buy patio furniture there and it's cheap because nobody ever buys it. It's fantastic. (laughs) And so I bought like a table and an entire patio set from Ralph's it's just all the shit they put above like the frozen ice cream and everybody's just like going balls deep into the ice cream they never notice the patio set and me like I'm so cheap that I've studied human behavior so I could figure out what people don't want so I can go buy it <laughs> like, Wow! yeah committed. that is the level of cheap that that I am is I've literally studied like trends and when people shop and when they don't and how long it takes for people to stop caring about something so that the price drops or or you see like a sale come up like it's i believe it's probably a a mental illness deep 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 within the dutch culture but uh it's worked fantastically for me so um we it's great (laughs) Mm -hmm. but uh i did that and then we got the bars on the windows. It's Englewood. It's totally like, you know, Englewood up to no good style. Like I I, I get irritated when people say, oh, Englewood, oh, is it dangerous? But I'm not kidding and I'm being very fair. I did pull a machete on a guy on Monday.
0: <laughs> okay. okay. You have to yeah. talk about that, that story because I read you posted <laughs> about that. I'm like, is this for yeah. real? And I was like, yeah. I don't even know like how how believable – that story was or maybe you're exaggerating, but it's like, Oh, Oh, okay. First of all, where'd you get the machete?
1: <laughs> so yeah, I do keep a machete next to my bed and, <laughs> um, cause you, you never know. Cause it is like, I would say that Anglewood is no, no more dangerous than any other city. It's, it's like an Oakland or San Francisco. I mean, there's nice parts of it. There's pockets there. There's this, that, and whatever. But, um, I admit that in talking about being cheap, I did drive out to Joshua Tree, knowing full well that the prices of machetes out there were about $30 cheaper. So I had a plan of, oh, I'm going to do the Joshua Tree thing this weekend. But you're damn right. I'm coming back with a machete, too, because <laughs> they're cheaper out there. <laughs>
0: oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I had no idea you were this cheap.
1: Ah, uh, okay, Yeah. Wait.
0: Wait, how? Okay, are you cheap? Okay, side mission, side mm. mission. Okay, you have a girlfriend, awesome right. and fantastic. Are you cheap with your girlfriend? Like, I hope you're not. But do you? I am not. Okay, okay, God, okay, good. Okay, yeah, I was like, fact, okay, yeah. I hope, I hope you're not cheap with your <laughs>
1: girlfriend.
0: And I know your girlfriend's Mexican, and that won't fly. No. Um,
1: and oh, a tourist, oh. so she, she likes the finer things in life yes um but okay. basically yeah what it has come down to is i'm a smart man i know happy wife happy life i'm very well <laughs> aware of how to uh, how to keep that i didn't always know how to like honestly this is going to be a weird side tangent but i'll keep it brief but it's probably a good thing we never got together when we you know were able to or you know whatever because there was a a point in time where I was pretty I won't say self-centered but I was just very I don't know what to call it because it's not like I was full of myself but I was just looking out for me because I knew nobody else would so I was very much just me oriented because I knew nobody else is going to have my back nobody else like everyone's always mm-hmm out to get you first and this, that, and whatever. And I kind of carried that into my relationships as well, where Mm -hmm. I was sort of like, I know you're eventually going to fuck me over. So I may as well just not give a shit and not really get invested in this. So, um, that was something I had to work on and something I had to change. And, um, what the kind of the way I am now is I skimp for myself so that I don't need to skimp for her. And what I mean by that is that, Like I won't go buy myself the thing that I want or I won't go do the cool thing I want to do that I used to do. Like I'll run out and go, oh, the new John Madden footballs out. Let's go get it. But nowadays, obviously I'm older and I've got other things going on. I I can't spend all day playing video games and I'm not really a man child anymore. So um, (laughs) while I do enjoy video games still, it's not like I'm sitting there from – 6 a.m. to 11:30 30 a.m. and hair messed up little thing of snot out of my nose and I haven't taken a shower yet like I'm not like that mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy's gone um he had his time but now it's like like she like with the the whole pandemic patio she really wanted to do um flowers and with the bars on the windows we basically she goes okay I want to I wanted to put like a, f- a flower box out here, but I don't know how to really do it. So me, being the the building engineer who builds things and fixes things and is you know sort of mechanically minded for a living, I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, let's make that happen. So I went out and I, you know, we got the flowers and um, I put together the the pot for her. And I really, really wanted to put this together for her because I know that my space is my space and She's not here all the time. So when I'm here, I get to enjoy it as is and do what I want to do. But when she's here, it's a little different. You know, it's, it's mutual shared space. And um, and I want her to feel comfortable and happy. And, you know, like, you know, there's nothing worse than when you're with somebody and you just can't relax around them. And you, like you go to their house and you're afraid to touch anything because they're kind of like that. Like I've had girlfriends like that before. Like a previous girlfriend who I have no problem throwing her under the bus for this okay, uh, okay. <laughs> she was not a nice person uh joanna lumbreras but um she <laughs> like her house was like don't touch anything and it's was like okay so i'm just gonna sit in this little chair <laughs> on a piece of like saran wrap so i don't get your fucking chair dirty and like it's an uncomfortable feeling and so you know for her Um, We kind of mutually had the idea. We're like, dude, if we're going to be stuck here on the weekends, we got to do something. And that's kind of what really interested me about your podcast, too, is like it's buying ourselves some Zen and some like emotional like you. I love the term emotional budget. Um, I'd never heard it until we talked yesterday about (laughs) the show today. Mm -hmm. And I'm now such a fan of that word and that term because. I completely understand what it means and I completely get it. And it's just I just wish I always had that term to refer to certain things because I think about, you know, how angry I used to be and all the things that I used to get easily pissed off about and now I I'm like why is it different? And it's because I've done little small things, I've given myself room to kind of be able to not like you, if you do little things for yourself, you pull yourself down just below that, like that boiling point. Mm. And when you continue to do those little things, they become routine. And when they become routine, it just becomes what you do. And when you do it enough and you start to feel better and then it becomes that sort of thing where you're like, Oh, it's just what I do now. And I, I, I remember I used to always be mad about stuff or somebody would say something and I'd instantly snap or I'd, my first remark was always a shitty remark or a sarcastic remark. And since I've given myself, you know, areas of, you know, room to be able to get angry and strangely, you know, as a way of putting it, but like where I focus on something else over here so that when something pops up that makes me mad, I'm in such a good place that I don't explode. And it's, that was kind of the point of the pandemic patio was, like I have friends over all the time and if you're ever in the LA area, please God damn it. Stop by <laughs> the door is wide open. The couch is open. You are always welcome in this home. Um, you are family and royalty around here, but,
0: Aww, but I'm to uh, meet your girlfriend.
1: Oh, you would love her too. You guys would, would kick it off like, like nobody's business. So Yay.
0: it'll happen at some
1: point. It, <laughs> we'll definitely, cause actually we get up to Portland. So, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely have to catch you you know next time we're up that way. Cause we're, we do, you know, we got family and friends that way. So either way, we'll be seeing you for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was really about like, let's, let's give ourselves some room to breathe that way. You know, as we're going through this traumatic thing, cause you've just got this constant barrage of Trump and conservatives and liberals are angry and and Black Lives Matter and this guy got shot and ah uh, he said this racist shit and then uh, and yeah then it's 105 fucking degrees because of global warming and global warming's not real and there's just this constant churn so it's like ah uh, everybody shut up like I just need to go into my little backyard my little safe space my little zen take my speaker out there, play some music, just put my feet on the fake grass, <laughs> yeah. take it in and just it truly. And I'm a guy who was, I, I would be the first to say I'm, com- I was completely reserved to always feeling like shit, always being mad. I'm like, this is just the way it is. That's the man I came from. And it's like, no, actually, no, it's, that's not just the way it is. It's just because you haven't, Taking the time to think about what's bothering you. What are the thorns in your paw? What's making you angry right now? And why is that? And are you angry because you're actually angry or is it something else? What is the root of what's truly bothering you? Not necessarily on the surface, but what's making you react that way to something that shouldn't necessarily make you react that way. And that was sort of what the mindset was, was how do we bring ourselves back to a better place And what's something DIY we can do for ourselves while we're in the middle of this like crazy period of time where the world feels like it's ending, but what can we do to make it feel like things are fine. We're chugging along. It's a beautiful day and life is good. And that's what we kind of did for ourselves.
0: Yeah. I know you mentioned like the the thorn, the thorn in your palm. Getting to the root and and trauma. And I, you know, as a person, you know, I'm in recovery. I'm, Part, act pretty active in the recovery community and there is support and resources for those affected by someone else's uh, alcoholism or drug use or or maybe if maybe for those who are listening you don't come from exactly uh, being affected by someone's drinking or drug use but it could skip a generation so maybe your parents, your parents were children of alcoholics and you're just noticing a lot of behavioral dysfunction and there are resources for for that and i've also seeked like outside therapies as as well and support support is out there Um, the 12-step approach is probably your most budget budget budget-friendly approach it's free The only expenses are like they'll pass around a basket or or in this case, a lot of 12-step meetings are meeting virtual. So they'll do like Venmo or PayPal and collect. um, They call it the seventh seventh tradition. And that just goes towards like keeping the Zoom room or whatever online platform that they're using to keep the platform like running. But there is no dues for membership in that way so you don't need to if you can't contribute that's fine but just you know they just want people to let them know that they are available and those resources are available and you know the the friends and family side the resources for the friends and family isn't as well known or advocated as much as the person who is the alcoholic or the addict because there's there's rehab and um you know you know, talk about denial. So, and I was like that too. Like my, my mom recommended that I go to Kaiser because Kaiser, I was under my parents' insurance. And at the time Kaiser had a a codependent, their codependency like course. And I was like, I'm not taking that class. This is your fault. You're the one that married dad. You brought me into this family. This is like your fault. And I could not, I didn't even want to see my part in it. And but I did. Yeah. And I got into pro- program when I was 20, 26. So who goes into program and you're not the drinker, you're not the alcoholic. And so I, I found, I found, I found it through, through Kaiser, but there are, there are resources and the root of my, uh, you know, you talk about attitudes, like, you know, when you blew up from your manager, like, yep, I did that too. And sober, sober, yeah. I'm completely sober. I'm not drunk. I'm not loaded. I'm not high. I'm completely, you know, uh, fueled by self-righteous anger and justific- justification. And now those behaviors—it showed up a lot in work. It cost me jobs. I'm like, I don't know why I was fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, and I'm in recovery. Like, even if I'm in recovery, and I'm still like, you know, going back to those behaviors, and I'm calling. I'm calling my sponsor and my sponsor's like, yep, that could get you fired. Like I'm telling her what happened, not really <laughs> realizing, like, I don't even, I don't know why I got fired, but it's like, you know, my, in my practice, <laughs> in my recovery practice, like you call your sponsor when stuff happens. So stuff happened yeah. and I'm crying on the phone and she's, and she's listening and I told her what happened. She's like, yep, that'll get you fired. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like really? Yeah, <laughs> so like, Damn it. <laughs> I thought oh I was my right. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, keep coming back, keep trying. Um, so, you know, in your, in your, in your recovery practice, you know, emotional, emotional accountability, it's like COVID is just like, you know, the jig is up and, yeah. and, you know, you, you, you could be a mask denier. Awesome. You know, you could, you could not wear your mask, but COVID don't care. You know, you yep. could be, you could be a super spreader. Like, okay, yeah, you may not be on the ventilator, but like, ooh, lucky you! You're, you're a super spreader. Like, awesome! Mm-hmm. You have that kick-ass immune system to be a super spreader and fuck over other people. Yep. Um, and you know, or you know, anti vaxxer or, or whatnot. I mean, let that just tells me, like, okay, you still want to hold on to your character defects, of you still want to hold on to your old life, your old paradigm. But you know, the future is gonna happen, whether you like it or not. This is a total societal game, game changer,
1: Yeah, you know, totally.
0: and everyone, even if, even for those are in recovery, I'm finding that they're having a hard time and they're, they, and they're in recovery. They know where the resources are and they're having like, you know, still a hard time. And I can imagine the millions of people who just aren't aware of, of 12, 12 yeah. steps, like they have no idea of the support that's out there. And like all It's like everything is being exposed at at such like a profound rate where where when I every day
1: every day like
0: (laughs) every day you're faced with your ugliness you're faced with what you did and you know without a support you know yeah I totally get why people you know blow off at. at people who don't wear masks and and yeah. you know I'm in Portland the practice of wearing masks it's 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 better but still people don't like don't care or they're not wearing their masks or Fred I go to the grocery store and depend mm. depending which grocery store you go to um they're very lax like it they yeah. just have a sign like that's how that's the extent of their they just have a sign um
1: yeah.
0: green green zebra it's down down the street they have a bouncer so you know that's a requirement. Um, Trader Joe's yeah. is pretty locked down; like you can't get in without oh, a person. Yeah. <laughs> so Trader Joe's is pretty, you know, um, it's required. You have to wear wear your mask, and even so, the Fred Meyer they don't give a shit. It's like it's not really like yeah. enforced. It's <laughs> not enforced. And you know what? I don't need to interact with you. I don't. I don't need to be the mask police. I know how to protect myself, mm-hmm. and I will not go down the same aisle. As you, or, 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 yeah, you know, or whatnot. Um, cause it's like, what, what are you gonna do? Like, okay, you're gonna, you need to wear your, you need the mask needs to cover your nose, and then that's just gonna upset them. Yeah. You know, and I've well, seen, I've seen people freak out and, and get violent. And it's like, I don't need to be in that.
1: Yeah. It's weird <laughs> because if you say anything to somebody, like, those people, I I hate to say it like that. Those people. But those people that I see out there without the masks are... They kind of go out with that chip on their shoulder. like, I hope somebody says something to me. And that's the problem is they're looking for you to say something so that they can feel justified in how they react back to you. And it's scary because it's like, dude, somebody could pull a gun out and shoot you for that because that's kind of where we're at. It's just somebody going... Oh, you want to tell me what to do? Okay, boom. And, yeah. And, and it's just that quick.
0: And is this really about you not wearing a mask or is this about your childhood trauma? You know, if you want to really get yeah. to the root of it, it's about like what the abuse that happened in your childhood, whatever that abuse is, unresolved childhood trauma, abandonment issues. It's all, mm-hmm. it all stems out to that. Like, I, and it's, uh,
1: it's so crazy too, because when you really, like, when you really take the time to sit down and dissect like what's what causes somebody to react or lash out that way. Like it's my job, my day job, to literally pull things apart and figure out and exactly where something broke. And we're talking something as small as like uh, an air conditioning unit that services three hundred people who all sit in a certain area. And this entire thing went down because a three centimeter pin fell out of a little hole. So it's like, you literally that, that granular and that minute. And the way that applies in my head to, you know, this topic is, okay, so we can start at the top and and just go, Oh, well, you know, you're anti-mask because of this, that, and whatever it's, your political beliefs and this and that, but you nailed it. I mean, it's, what happened to you what what caused you to be a person who takes a suggestion as an attack like what happened to you that you feel that your freedom is being attacked when it's really like we want you to be like just be aware of other people around you just be considerate it's we're not asking you anything other than just be considerate of others like i'm sure there must have been a point in time where we didn't just all decide to start wearing pants. I'm sure there was a fight about it. Like somebody at some point in time was like, I ain't wearing pants. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I like having my dick and balls out. Like (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, fuck you. (laughs) This is my my freedoms. (laughs) (laughs) My my
0: freedoms. Yes.
1: Yeah. Nobody tells my tits where to hang. And you're like, okay, well, it's just, it would be nice. Cause there's kids and all like, I, <laughs> I know that argument had to happen somewhere thousands of years down the road <laughs> <laughs> because I, I was actually watching an old documentary about the, the Spanish flu and it was insane. Like I felt like such a stupid ape because I'm like, dude, we've literally had this exact same fight. Yeah. Over a hundred years ago. Yeah. And we're doing the exact same stupid shit. How dumb are we? It stopped the war.
0: <laughs> the Spanish flu stopped the war. We we're in the middle of World War One, just having our fun. And yeah. Spanish flu stopped. It stopped the war. Like, ah, uh, we can't have pandemic and a war. And it's like, okay, maybe yeah, we'll just stop much. the war. And, <laughs> okay, Wilson, President Wilson, he didn't mm-hmm. even acknowledge the pandemic. Hardly. Yeah. It and even in history like you know uh, school school time when we went to school and like college no one really talked about that pandemic and like even yeah. high school like no one really talked about the the societal impact of of the flu It's kind of like yeah there was a flu and a lot of people died and like oh okay just a pa- passing cliff note.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just like oh some people got sick and that's
0: uh, no, yeah. it. No, it's like dude study that it's cuz what's happening again.
1: You're like, no, dude, like you don't understand like the way that literally led to the recession and like the, the Great Depression and like the way like we're literally doing the exact same thing right now. And it's fucking wild. And actually, what's crazy is I didn't know this, but the only reason why it's called the Spanish flu is because the Spanish were at first the only people that acknowledged that they had deaths. They were the only ones that were reporting it. Therefore, everybody thought it started in Spain, but it didn't. I forget exactly where it started, but oh,
0: Kansas. Yeah, yeah. No, farm farm in Kansas. It was a jump from pig, from pig to human, and yeah. uh, that's another thing people <laughs> don't get about how viruses, how viruses like like work. And yeah, that's how that's how it works. It's like yeah. a jump, you know, where it, um you know, with this cor- coronavirus, you know, start started in a wet, a wet market. It was just a, it's just a jump. It's just a jump because the bats are fine. It doesn't really affect, affect the bats, but yeah. if it jumps, if it jumps from, from animal to human, that's where you get in trouble. And, yeah. you know, and my Facebook feed is just, is just like, you know, misinformation and a bunch of bullshit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, dude, uh retake high school biology (laughs) and learn how viruses work because this is what's happening and then you know that's being politicized on both on both sides and because you know no one no one invests in science anymore Mm -hmm. um and then you get you get this you get this like again again because no one knows how viruses work Yeah.
1: And we refuse to learn. (laughs) We've been through it before. I mean, it's crazy because it's like, okay, if we're going to do the same old stuff we've always done, why did we ever let certain things progress? Why did we ever do toilets? We were shitting in houses out back. That was pretty cool for a while. Like (laughs) it's weird that like, it's a dirty word to be a progressive now to be for progress. How is it that in 2020, I have to explain why I like people <laughs> and like defend that. <laughs> yeah, I like everybody. Why? What? I'm sorry. I wasn't prepared for you to ask why, mm-hmm. uh, because everybody's fucking cool in a way like, or could be potentially give people a chance. Why not? But then in terms of like everything else like involved with this is just wild to me because actually one thing that I've heard that, nobody's talking about. And I, I'm not a conspiracy guy, but it's not a conspiracy theory. It's actually a really well laid out, uh, theory as to how this happened, because, you know, everybody wants to say who ate the bat? Like there's that, like just dumb, like, <laughs> okay, you, these fucking guys with their bat soup. And it's like, well, they've been eating bat soup for a while. How come this just happened now? Mm-hmm. And, Um, what I found interesting was somebody made the case and the way they laid it out, it made a lot of sense to me. Yeah, there was the, um, I had heard that, and of course it got buried because it's one of those things that it made too much sense and people don't want to hear it, but, um, there's this theory that, you know, as we've begun to, uh, you know, increase our farming and our our landscaping, and as we've pushed further into these habitats that we don't necessarily always go into, but now that we've got better technology, now that we've, you know, managed to work our way through other other habitats in the world, like now we're starting to destroy habitats where... Uh bats live and these, you know, bats carry all kinds of different crazy viruses and
0: mm-hmm.
1: and whatnot. Yeah. yeah. And, and as we push further into these things and as we go deeper into logging and mining and everything that we're doing to the earth, we're going into places we've never been before. And that's how we're, you know, able to pick up these viruses because we've never really been around bats in their habitat. It, you know, this particular bat, this particular virus, we've never explored that particular area. And there's a theory that that's, they believe that that's how that, it made that jump. But it's the same thing as what you said about the pigs, where it's like, it's all in relation to, you know, our physical proximity to these animals and, and what we're doing with them and the way we're interacting with them. And it's like, you know, people been eating the bat soup for a long time, but we're starting to go to new areas and push into new places, and we're starting to get to, you know, some pretty undiscovered parts of the world where, I mean, we find new species every day. Why is it so crazy to think that we're pushing into areas we probably shouldn't be in? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why we're kind of finding ourselves like, how does this happen? Well, that's a pretty good theory. I mean, because it it just doesn't make sense to me that something that's been done for such a long time already would all of the sudden become a problem. And I'm no scientist, obviously. So obviously it's possible, but I just thought that it was really interesting that, you know, it makes a lot of sense to me because we do, we have been for a long time pushing into new territories and areas. And, you know, we're constantly building in new, new areas and constantly flattening out forests to put up new things. And, you know, as we destroy more and more of nature and, and these, you know, animals, habitats, as we do that, we're going to be going deeper and deeper into their world. And in doing so, you know, part of their world is they have these things, they have these viruses and they have illnesses that, you know, human beings weren't necessarily getting before or weren't necessarily able to get before. And I, I I found that really fascinating and I'm like, you know, it's interesting nobody's really talking about it. It just kind of comes back to this lazy like, well, who drank the fucking soup? But it's like, come <laughs> on, man.
0: <laughs> no, I I've, I've heard of that um perspective and I totally forgot about that. So I think it's really great that you brought it up and yeah, we're going going into places that we sh- well, not like shouldn't be, but it's like if you're not making an effort to study the said unknown environment before you just being all yeah. sociopathic and American be like, <laughs> manifest destiny. cloud over.
1: Yeah. And it's like, yeah.
0: Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, mother nature. It's, uh, I don't know if you've ever like crossed your mom before, like, yeah, you'll get like a timeout or in, uh-huh. in my, in my let lat, Latin upbringing, you got spanked.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and it's like you're fucking around. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna get what you're looking for, and it's mm-hmm.
0: so surprised. Like people are just so shocked and like, oh my rights! And it's like, dude, it's like everything that's coming out, like Mount Rushmore. That that racist motherfucker just like dynamited a uh, um a native like a people's that was like their spiritual. There was like that was like their that, so that, that was, was their like you blew up, that was like if you blew up. Well, okay, well, not to draw not to draw is like that got set on fire but like yeah. like you blew up vatican like like how would yeah. you like it if someone just blew up vatican and then um and like popped up a little mall instead like we're gonna build a mall here yeah yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. you like
0: that the pope
1: like yeah, what's you know- up pope we need this applebee's in here badder <laughs> than we need your ass man hey?
0: yes <laughs> it'd be hungry, like bro. that like no perspective <laughs> Like absolutely no perspective on, on considering like, yeah, that, this is important to some, some people.
1: It's fucking shocking to me. Like I honestly, I had a very unique um, upbringing in the, in the sense that I have a cousin of mine who is half native American. And by half, I mean like she is truly half native American. She looks indigenous She has an indigenous, an indigenous name, can't talk. And, you know, her babies look the same way. And it's, it's interesting because I always had that perspective of we're different, but we're family. So we're the same. And what always shocked me was as kids, we would go out and visit her family on the reservation. And I remember just always, as we drove up, just thinking, even as a little kid, I was thinking, this is kind of fucked up. Like, look at these places, man. Like they're literally just held together by like boards and they're just literally drilled together like sheet metal and trailers. And we've literally left these people with nothing. Mm. And here, just go sit out on this dead piece of land where you can't even grow grass, like fuck off. And now as an adult, you want me to believe that Oh, yeah. Thanksgiving. We all sat down for dinner. No, no, we didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. And as I get older and I'm like paying more and more attention and I'm as I've, you know, through the years as we all have or as we should have, you know, we've made friends of different cultures and ethnicities and backgrounds and makeups and you hear their story and you see what they go through. And all of these things kind of help formulate your view of the world. And your thoughts and you've got these people that all they know are other dudes named Dave and Chad and Kevin. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? And then you want to tell me, you know more about the world than I do when I live in a city of 24 million people and every single person's a different color and every single person's from from a different place. And you hear these stories. Like uh, what I found shocking, actually, I had a girlfriend a few years back who was um, Cambodian and she talked about the uh, the Khmer Rouge and how it was this basically a genocide. And I'm like, I've never heard of that in my life. And she goes, Yeah, you never will, because uh, you're not Cambodian. And it doesn't fucking matter here. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, that's true, because we really don't give a shit. It's just, it there's just sort of this like lazy acceptance. And I you, you really hit it earlier where you said, you know, people just unwilling to give up on this shift of, you know, what their life is now or what it was. Mm -hmm. And I get it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not such a, such an out there progressive person that I can't understand wanting to hold on to what you know and what is familiar and what feels good and is safe. But I can also tell you that, I used to not even eat Chinese food when I was a kid because it looked weird. It looked like worms and I was afraid of it. And now it's the most delicious shit in the world. So maybe you need to try Chinese food. And what I mean by that is maybe you need to make friends that aren't white. (laughs) Maybe Mm -hmm. you need to make friends that are like, yeah, my experience in this place is a lot different than yours, man. (laughs) And um, it's just one of those things where I'm like, dude, all you got to do is just talk to somebody different for five minutes. Just – come out of your fucking shell for a minute it's not hard and people really get stuck up in that they're just like well you know i'm not doing the mass thing because you're infringing on my freedoms and it's like have you ever been to a place where there's no such thing as freedom because i have it's pretty fucking wild Mm -hmm. (laughs) so if you had been to those places and you've seen those things you would come back here and be like oh we have it very nice here it's very nice here Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's weird. It's just that lack of perspective. I I don't know what it takes to help people get gain that perspective. I think it really is sort of a personal choice, I think, at some point. Because, I mean, like we discussed yesterday a little bit, um, you know, toxic male behavior and, you know, sort of my journey with that and how I came from a place of not believing women, not because I didn't believe women, because not, not a... Oh, I don't believe a woman, because why would you believe a woman? Yeah, yeah. But like I just didn't know guys were like that because I didn't know guys like that. And my father wasn't like that. And I didn't have that example of a man that leers at women and check out the tits on that one. Because my dad wasn't like that. My dad just yeah. fixed cars and went to bed. Like he was <laughs> he was just too tired to give a shit, maybe. But I honestly like I remember having conversations with female friends and or even, you know, relatives and family members. And they would tell me these things and I'm like, that, come on. Like a, a guy really sent you that message? No, come on. Cause why would a guy do that? And all that. Yeah. Like that's yeah. fucking crazy. And it's like, yeah. no, it's not crazy. And like with like what I was telling you was with the rise of like the tinders and the, um, the bumbles and whatever else is out there, it's, crazy because now I've had my friends go no look and they show me their inbox and a first message from a guy will be like oh I definitely wouldn't pull out and it would be like how do you start a conversation with a human being like that (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's fucking wild or the fact that like I I was on the phone with my cousin last night um and we kind of got into the discussion a little bit and she said you know what's crazy like she's actually right now trying to find a way to bring it up to our family that at the last family get together and my cousin's my age, she's uh, 38, about to be 39. Actually, she just turned 39. And my uncle who is fifties, sixties, don't know, don't care. He's an old sack of shit. uh, Grabbed her ass at the family party drunkenly. And yeah. And I, I could kill him for that. And it's one of those things where we were, as we were talking about it, she goes, you know, it's, I've had that happen so many times and I've had so many times where I've literally just been like, did that just really happen? Did that guy just really do that to me? And it's heartbreaking and crushing. Cause you're thinking, wait, this is like, not even like a one-time thing. No, it happens all the time. Everywhere I go, I get comments or I can't even walk down the street without being looked at. And once I started paying attention to that and really like watching the way other dudes were, cause I didn't really have those friends that were like that. Cause it makes me uncomfortable. Cause I've always kind of been the shy nerdy guy that doesn't want to make anybody feel weird. And even though I don't come off that way, I look very much douchebag, like shaved head beard, like motorcycle type, you know, but I'm really just sort of this like shy guy who's just, totally like, Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to, uh, I didn't, Oh, I didn't want to make you feel weird. (laughs) And there's, there's just, was just a weird shift for me to realize that. And it was heartbreaking. And I cried like a lot over Mm -hmm. that because thinking that my cousin who I love, who I would like, I would murder for that somebody hurt her and I wasn't able to save her or protect her, but I don't have to, it's not my job. But the fact that she had to deal with that and she felt like she couldn't tell me, at least not until recently, because she was embarrassed by it when he should be embarrassed. Fuck him. Why are you embarrassed? And it's like that's what society does to women. They make you feel like it's your fault and you're embarrassed by this. And there's guilt and shame when the guilt and the shame needs to be on the dude who does that. And. Mm -hmm it was just so fucking wild to me and it really took me on this journey and, you know, kind of calling back to me shitting all over Chad's Kevin's and whoever else is out there. Ethan's or or another good one. Um, I really sort of took up this personal, it really was personal, even though I don't know who the majority of these dudes are. I've just sort of taken this like personal, like I really, you could call it offended, but just really more like I just find it disgusting, like the way uh, a lot of that those guys are and a lot of the way the culture is around, you know, women and men and and this whole like we don't give a shit about women. We we truly don't. And you cannot tell me that we do like the Vanessa Guillen thing. Oh, my fucking God. Like thinking about that, Like that poor girl. Chopped to fucking pieces. It's the most horrific thing I've ever heard because she she didn't want to have sex with this dude. And he cuts her up. And then where's the military? Like, looking one of your fallen soldiers, that is an American citizen. That is a soldier. That is somebody serving this country. And, well, she, she might be around here somewhere. And you try to fucking sweep it under the rugs, you disgusting sacks of shit. Like, how dare you? That's somebody's mm-hmm. little girl. Yeah. And... I don't think it takes much as a man for you to feel that you just have to realize that that's somebody's sister. I think about my sister, like what my sisters have been through. I, there are men on this earth that I would go to jail if I ever saw. And in relation to my sisters and stuff that has happened to them. And I think about like my cousin and what she told me and I think about, I used to be a teacher. I think about all those little girls that I used to be an example for. And I like went very far out of my way to be a good man and show them like what a good man is and that a good man listens to people, cares, is willing to say I'm sorry, say I love you, like show emotion, be vulnerable. Like those are things that we're not allowed to be and we're told we're not supposed to be and it's always oh you're a fag no you know what actually you're the guy hiding behind the facade i'm i'm showing my true self right now mm-hmm. i'm i'm showing the cracks in my armor because i'm not afraid to show the cracks in my armor whereas you hide behind this you know image that is bullshit we both know it and deep down you know it you'll never admit it but it's just such a strange thing to me and it really sort of pushed me um with just everything that's going on in the world right now too like as you know we deal with these race issues and we deal with these sexism issues with like the Weinsteins and and, Mm. you know Cosby and like the Louis C.K. shit and we're comedians we're we're in this world where these these motherfuckers this is their, their their hunting grounds and like, it's a, it's a shock to me that I never saw that personally. I wish I did. I would have beat the crap out of people. I would have loved to beat the crap out of people with how mad I was. Good God. That would have been the absolute marriage <laughs> of of anger and righteous justification. But, like, it's so crushing to think of, like, all of my friends that I've talked to that are like, yeah, I've had stuff happen to me. Or, yeah, I've had somebody try something. And you're just like, oh. God, I can't apologize enough. And I wasn't the guy, but like, it's just such like a crushing thing when you truly, truly, truly think about it. And I, I know that you can't put yourselves in the shoes of a woman as a man, but you can damn sure sympathize and you can empathize and you can damn sure see it if you want to. It's just that you choose not to, and you choose to, to see it as like, Oh, you're just being dramatic or blah, 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 blah. But isn't that the same shit we used to say to black people before the, all the videos got out? <laughs> before
0: Facebook Live?
1: Yeah, like, like, let's be fucking real. Are we really acting like certain things? It's almost like the Trump thing, how everyone's like, well, everyone's lying. Trump's being on. Really, everyone, like, three million other people are the liar, but the one old delusional dude who's doing, like, fucking Twitter rants at 3 a.m.? Nothing wrong with him. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. He's totally of sound mind, and everyone else is the fucking liar. All right, man. Whatever <laughs> whatever you want to say. Like it's and I it's weird because I'm not a Democrat and I'm not a Republican. I'm an independent voter. But mm-hmm. just the dismissiveness, the gaslighting, the blowing off, the no, nah, it's not oh no fake news. It's just so disgusting to me. And to me it it really is sort of indicative of just where we've been at with our problems as a culture where we just sweep things under the rug. And we just, if we like somebody enough because they're on TV or because they're famous, we let them kind of get away with whatever they want to get away with. And then that influences everything from there. And I'm sort of like, how can you complain about a Kardashian when that's all you talk about? Like you're, you're giving life to it and we're giving these people life and, it's weird because we don't give life to the truth. We give life to the person, the, the character, the personality. Like, fuck Joe Exotic. I don't know anything about that dude, and I don't want to know anything about that dude because I can tell that that's somebody who could potentially get to where a Trump's at if he really wanted to.
0: Well, he did run. I did I did see the docu, and he did... He did oh, run. did
1: he? Yeah, oh, see, he,
0: did, he did. He didn't get much... Tra- but... But it's like he, it, the psychosis of the the energy level that he was at, it was at par. Yeah. It was at par to Trump, and Trump knows exactly what he's doing. He's like just, you know, playing mm-hmm. his playing his fan base, like yeah. you know, fiddle lemmings and and whatnot. And it's so, the longer I'm in recovery, and I, you know, I, I do have Trump supporters on on my feed, and one one came out of the closet. And she posted and I look in her eyes and it's like something's going on there. Nice. There's it's like a spell. It's like it's like there there was nothing there. Like yeah. I don't know what happened to her along. And she was always a certain of that political party. She was always a Republican. So like why am I shocked? Like I'm, she's she's wearing her Trump hat, all proud, smiling. But I'm looking in her eyes. It's like something's going on. In, yeah. in there and it's like um it's sort of it's very like and you know if you're not woke or if you're not doing the work let me put it that way if you're not doing the work the spiritual work where you could see bullshit on on both sides like mm-hmm. I'll I'll be I'll definitely be voting but I don't know who I'll be voting voting for yeah. and and the fear mongering that's going on on both on both sides, like both sides are for kids in cages, you know, bottom yeah. straight. And it's like the Democrats, this is from what I've seen. And, and I'm, I'm, I've been still like waking up to like the Democrats like point, like approach, like we were supposed to get, the California was supposed to get high speed rail. We voted it in,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, the people wanted high speed rail and Gavin Newsom was like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. Yeah. So not paying attention to to the people. It's like, what the fuck? And and it's like, okay, if you want this is how I'm seeing it. It's like, if you want silent racism, vote Democrat. If you want overt racism, vote Republican. That's yeah. really that's like bottom like straight. That's what this is this is about. You want silent racism because on both sides, people of color got dicked on both sides, whether yep. Clinton was in office or Obama was in office, they got dicked on both sides. So still they're doing this old tactic of fear mongering and um like cool cool do you still want to believe that story do you still want to believe believe that that narrative because i don't
1: yeah like it's so weird because we're we're waking up to a lot of things right now and there's a lot of truth that's being revealed and As that truth gets revealed, I know that there are a lot of people actively working to make it so the truth doesn't seem like the truth, or at -hmm. least if nothing else, it's tough to verify, and it's really left as, well, we can agree to disagree, and it goes, no, there's no agreeing to disagree on the truth. The truth is the truth. You know, we can agree to disagree on opinions or approaches or policies, but the truth is the truth and lies are lies. And I hate the word falsehood because it's the most dismissive bullshit, like liberal safe word to avoid. Just call him a fucking liar. Yeah. Yeah. He's a fucking liar. And it's weird because I, I don't like Trump as a person. And it's been that way since the eighties prior to, um, him running for election. I disliked him already. I've always disliked him. I've, I've had to look at that fucking face since 1981 and (laughs) it's always been around. It's always been just floating out there. And you've always heard sort of the presidential talk just because he's an opinionated guy and it is what it is. But, um, what I really started to like, cause like my uncle is a big Trump guy and he attacked me hard over my viewpoints. And, I think what I, I've begun to sort of like, kind of think about like, what is it that these people want? Like, what is it that they're after? What is it like, what's the motivation? What's the drive? What, what truly is behind like supporting a guy like a Donald Trump? And, you know, you've got the liberal side of things wants to say, well, it's racism. And, you know, there's a point to that, I think, you know, to a certain degree, but I know a lot of people that are Republicans that I wouldn't necessarily label as that or don't necessarily strike me as somebody hateful. Um, and it's true and it's fair and it's, you know, I'm, and I, you know, me, I, have boy, I've kicked and screamed. It's probably talked the most shit of anybody about Donald Trump, but Mm -hmm. where I'm fair is that when it comes down to supporters and people who stand behind him, Um, you know, I've, I've really tried to understand because I think in understanding you can really sort of reach that place of, okay, I can see where you're going with it and I can see what's bothering you. And, and I think that's where the liberals have gone wrong is they, what they're not catching is that a lot of people were left behind and a lot of people have been forgotten about. And a lot of people have been just sort of, you know, pushed aside and swept under the rug and, my feelings on that are kind of well. Join the fucking club, okay? <laughs> because me too. Yeah. I'm a middle child. Nobody's ever even known I exist. So <laughs> it's it's news to me when somebody even notices me. But where where I think I can understand them a little bit is you look at uh, and I'm going to specifically say the black community because you said it. They got dicked by by Clinton. They've been dicked by the Democrats. They like why why is it that people believe that the black community owes Joe Biden their vote. When if you go back far enough, you'll find some troubling things about Joe Biden and race. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to dig it up because I'm, I'm not trying to make them look any worse, but there's, there really is sort of this strange, like, okay, so you want people to go Democrat, but Democrats haven't worked for people either. And you want people to get rid of Trump because he's the worst but there's an interesting twist to this that I hadn't really considered. And that is that he's facilitating change and it's not on purpose. He's, I believe he's dumb enough that he's accidentally changing things for the better. And it's just that he sucks so much as a person and he sucks so much as a politician, as a businessman, um, as a father. And when you really look at it, you look at his childhood and why do people like him? They probably had similar childhoods. And it goes back to that, like, what is it about these people? What is really driving them? And, and you think back to when they felt the most comfortable and when they felt the most safe when they were children and their father who, you know, back then might have been a racist alcoholic, piece of crap, beat the crap out of mom. Dinner was always on the table. You know, life was a certain way back then. And that's what they know. And it's, it's not necessarily that they're, they're bad people because they think what they think. But if, if we were literally raised to believe that instead of like, let's say something like Earth, what if it was called something different? Like, fuck it, let's call it a GAC. Why not? So <laughs> we just call it a and someone's like, ah, oh, yeah, man, like, yeah, I'm first time here at Earth. And we're all like, what are you talking about? Like, it's just one of those things where it's we've always known it to be a certain thing. And that was a very poor example, but um, they've always known a certain way. And in that certain way, they have carried that into their their lives with their their families and their wives and their kids. And so it's always been sort of the Hollywood uh, Ozzy and Harriet, you know, oh, dad gets home and dinner's on the table and little Timmy's homework is done and everybody's you know, uh, hair's brushed nicely and everything's in place. And it's like, that's not fucking reality. That's Mm -hmm. your, your worldview is shaped off of what you saw on TV 65 years ago. And that was a TV show and the news made things look like that. And we all know that it's always been manipulated to show a certain story and we've always known it's always been this way since day one that it's always been like we've always been guided by what we're shown and what we're shown is that oh things were great when we had you know moms at home and dads went to work and blah blah blah. great
0: great for who
1: yeah great for the one dude
0: (laughs) basically that is it's great for the one dude yeah I'll say, I'll say this. if hillary if, if hillary, hillary was, was president, president harvey weinstein would still be raping
1: yep i believe Bo- that
0: <laughs> like hands down bottom line like yeah she should have been president yeah. yeah but harvey weinstein would and cosby would still be raping
1: yeah you know, like probably
0: take another 10 years too uh yeah or they probably died or, or in most cases you wait till the rapist died. And then that's when the truth come out, comes out. And Oh, root of all evil. That's a really great podcast. Um, the Dolly, the Dolly, Oh, that murder. It was that murder from,
1: Oh, um, black Dahlia,
0: black Dahlia. Yeah. Yeah. That was like an unsolved crime. And it wasn't until, um, the, the dude died. And, he he did like rape and incest to his own daughter and fathered yeah. uh, a child, and so the grandmother. So this was like the grand, no, the mom. It was so the mom and those kids would be like I think my mom's age. So yeah, they're a little
1: older because I know yeah. the son. I've actually looked into the story a little bit. The son is actually a, a retired LAPD. Yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: So the truth finally came out until the till the dude died the di- the guy who killed who killed the girl um and the grandmother and the mom died they all had to die and then the truth finally came out the siblings yeah and like the siblings had oh god there's how they're still alive I don't I don't that's fucking miracle. But it wasn't until that their story on the podcast, root of all root of evil, came out that they finally were were able to piece together this horrific family history and how the siblings were their uncles. So the the two daughters, the daughters the daughters of the mom who ended up being adopted. And it wasn't confirmed, but they have strong evidence to suggest that they're that her father was also her um
1: grandfather grandfather oh yeah yeah so he
0: fathered (laughs) and he he was sick just a sick guy but just narcissistic sociopath just psychotic and just was able to um you know got his daughter pregnant twice got the abortion the, she aborted the first baby mm-hmm. but then this he tried again and so that baby um ended up um adopted so that the mom you know not knowing not knowing who her father was also her her grandfather so wow And, and it was the, and so she died of cancer, but the daughters, um, and she kept notes, she kept the notes and diaries. Mm -hmm. And so her, when she passed, the daughters took basically picked up the torch, picked up the baton to get her, 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 their mom's story like told because she, she wanted to do a memoir. She was, she was collecting all these notes and recording conversations with With her, her mom and like, dude, if you, if you got raped by your own dad, pregnant, nonetheless, like, how does that not leave a mark? How, how does that not leave a mark? And like, in like, you know, just planting seeds of of generational trauma, because you see it in each generation. Yeah, for sure. And so that case, like, got solved when, you know, um, the rapist died. And so I don't know if Hillary was president and Harvey Weinstein kept raping for another 10, 20 years until he died. And the truth won't come out until death. That's a lot of, that's what happened a lot of times. Like the truth never didn't come out until like the rapist died. That's what happened with the keepers. Have you seen that one?
1: Yeah. And like, dude, what? Like it's, that was fucked up. That was so fucked up. I can't watch (laughs) that.
0: That's something I could only watch once. And, yeah. you know this those, the like this priest and like he started a ring just a like a sex a sex traffic ring just pimping out Catholic schoolgirls to police police were involved mm-hmm. police were raping the the children as long uh, as well as the priest and that priest killed that nun that priest yeah. killed that nun and um you know he never got caught he died and then the truth comes out until after so you have like the slew the slew of just rape and rape and incest and yeah just more rape of all these gir- girls girls there who are who are now women you know women of a certain age you know yeah. women telling their story and you know you hear their story of they blocked it out because of course you know and yeah. there's and with trauma like your brain does block out memories to protect you mm-hmm. and Definitely. And, um, and then her memory started coming, coming back and that's when she was able to like, you know, speak, speak yeah. out and get, you know, rest, restitution or, or justice or, or, or just like having, or having her experience validated, like through, through this, uh, docu documentary.
1: Yeah. It's so you know? crazy. Cause like I, this is where I, I struggle as a person, um, you know, I, th- I think about our, our justice, you know, our justice system and the way things are and the way things go. And I think my, my big struggle in this life is knowing that justice often happens less than it should. And it, uh, it's such a, like a frustrating thing to me that like, it's kind of pushed my political views a little bit. And it's, sort of why I don't necessarily see myself as, um, a liberal per se, because, you know, I, I don't necessarily like, I, I agree with, um, you know, most things on, in terms of like socially, uh, with liberalism, but one th- one area that I know I'm, I'm definitely different in. And, um, I wouldn't even necessarily say conservatives either because it's, you know, sort of the, the Christian, Oh, you, you know, you shouldn't shouldn't ever hurt somebody or whatever. But I'm just sort of of the mind and the the body that because there is no justice, you have to go make your own. And I know that's not okay. And I know that's not it's, you know societally like it's not okay. If that's if that makes any sense. Uh, you know, we've yeah. all determined like you're not supposed to do that no matter what. But it's like, well, what happens when the system is routinely? and consistently failing people like you have fathers that go to jail for killing the guy that you know molested their daughter and then that dude will sit there for 10 15 years and I'm like why like how like how is that merciful how is that right mm-hmm. how is that righteous like as a judge you know you're playing it totally as oh well this is what the law says but you're a person first man and you got to know better that you're sending a good man to prison for nothing and for doing what was right and doing what was good for his family. And that's where I sort of split from, I think, the usual views, is that I, I have very much like a, a vengeance inside of me, inside of my mind. And I think that's why I, I have taken that and I've channeled it into other areas as a means of like blowing out that steam And that's when I go after my Chad's and that's where I go after my Ethan's. And I really like lay it out for people because I know that I, by law, I can't physically do anything to you, but at least if nothing else, I'm going to tell you all the things that you probably need to hear or that you haven't been told by somebody who, if anything, like I'm probably better than your friends are because your friends have probably lied to you and told you that you're cool and all, but I'm, talking shit to you because you're being an asshole and I'm checking your behavior (laughs) and I'm checking like your, your toxic bullshit. And I'm a tough dude. Like, so you can't give me the like, Oh, okay. Snowflake. Nah, man. I'm (laughs) trust me. I could throw with you. But the point is that like you're being an asshole right now and I'm not trying to fight you. I'm trying to just tell you. And, and I feel like a lot of people just don't, you know, they, They don't necessarily know how to carry themselves these days and they don't necessarily think about the way they are and the way it projects out towards others and the way you can really be kind of in charge of your own self and still not let people take advantage of you, not also take advantage of people. Like You can really maneuver this world if you want to in a good way, in a peaceful way. You can do right by people. You can stop people from doing wrong by you and you should. And I kind of feel like we're at a point now where I'm really more about like, fuck. Yeah. I cry. Fuck. Yeah. I get sad. Fuck. Yeah. I have depressed days. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to say, man? Like, it's like, I'm trying to like make that shift of like, actually it's cool to talk about that. Like it's, it's not cool to like try to hide your, your racism and try to hide your feelings and try to hide your shit. You're not feeling good. Like, just tell me, man. Like, Actually, what was a really interesting um, thing, I know we're short on time here, but uh, an interesting change that happened when my mom passed away was, you know, I had that 10 years of being angry mm-hmm. um, from losing my best friend. And I was angry at the military because, you know, they, I would argue, were responsible for his death. And I have had to let that go. And I've had to not let that determine my feelings towards the military it still does, and I, I still struggle with that, and it's why I get so angry at something like a Vanessa Guillen when I'm like, I've, I have literally had my life ripped in half by the military and what they, they did to my friend. Mm-hmm. And they were responsible for his death in the end, and there's a lot to it that I uh, didn't mention, but um, I took all that, and I was like, when my mother passed away, I was like, I just want to tell people I love them. I just want to tell people that I care about them. Life's too fucking short. I've had too many times that my mom would call me and I wouldn't pick up the phone because I'd be like, ah, I don't want to talk right now. Or I'm high right now. I don't want my mom to know. And (laughs) you know, you're, (laughs) and you now I'd be like, dude, I would kill to have that last phone conversation, just one more. And I look at it like, dude, like, it's interesting. You know, I, I know you, you recently had, um, Cody Woods on and we, we hashed out some issues with ourselves. Uh, we, you know, were great friends, and then had our problem. And um, we, I, you know, took the time to kind of get over and ma- apologize and from my part in it. And I think that's what mm-hmm. has just made maneuvering like this pandemic and maneuvering this period of time and just maneuvering life right now so much easier for myself. Is that I've eliminated my unnecessary drama, and I've un I've eliminated my unnecessary uh, grudges and I've eliminated like a lot of my, my frustrations towards people that I held on to and just old past stuff. And I really learned like, man, you, if you want to be, if you want to be okay, you got to want to be okay. And it seems stupid because it's like, well, duh. But a lot of people like to live in that world and stay in that place of feeling sorry for themselves. And, you know, they don't want to be the guy to say sorry. And there's so much more strength in saying sorry than there is in putting on the tough face. And one of my favorite things ever and um, listening to Henry Rollins and he was talking about guys who get out of prison and he's like a guy who just gets out of jail you should easily and could easily be the guy who's like, what's up, motherfucker? And like go out and fight people. But the strength of that guy and the guy who truly comes out of there better is the guy that's like, good morning, how are you? That guy's been through hell, and yet he's still polite. He's still courteous. He still holds a door for people. He's, he didn't let savagery break him. And I think that's kind of what my big message is today, is that like we're we're in savage times, let's be real. I mean, you live in a war zone right now, and... I was in that war zone back in June when LA was on fire. It was all around me. And I was literally on the streets with a lot of those protesters. And I saw some shit that will be with me for my entire life. And it was crazy because what has gotten me through is just like being like deciding that I wanted to be better, deciding that I wanted to just do the best I can by people right now, because everybody's having a hard time, including myself, Uh, I want to make sure that if I'm coming across people in a day I'm, I'm not have I'm not causing a bad experience for them. They might cause a bad experience for me, but I'm not even going to escalate it. I'm just going to be like I understand, you know, I know times are tough. And I've had to have conversations with people like that like at the mall some woman was wigging out in line and I had to talk to her and just be like, "Look, sweetie, I I I know I understand, but like just try to be calm and just understand that we're all we're all feeling it right now. We're all, you know, impatient right now. We're all frustrated, but you know, I don't want to cliche, you know, you to death with, we're all in this together, but we really are kind of going through this together. And it's important to be aware of not only what you're getting, but what you're putting back out, because that determines so much. And if you want to escalate things and fight with people, you will. But if you just sort of understand that You can affect people. You can change people's day in a good way, in a bad way too. But if you want to, you can really help somebody with something small, something just minute. It can just be holding the door for somebody or like somebody crying and you just, are you okay? You know, something simple like that. And I kind of feel like that's what we're missing right now is because we're just, everybody wants to fight with each other. And I do it too. Like I see somebody in a red hat and I'm like, oh, motherfucker. But I'm also like, but that's also a guy and he's going through his shit and he's scared and I'm scared and she's scared and we're all going through this crazy thing right now. And, you know, it's just why make somebody's day worse when, if nothing else, it's like the old Gandhi quote, Mm. if you can't help somebody, at least don't hurt them. And that's like the truest thing I could say right now. Mm. That's kind of where I'm at. It's what I'm, you know, I'm feeling in my heart these days, and it's, it's kind of helped me navigate this crazy, crazy world and where we're at. Because you know, it's as we divide further, I'm sort of like, well, even though I've done my part to to help those divisions, you know, at, at least on the other hand, I can do my part in my day to day life. Because Facebook, I've talked to the most shit of anybody on this planet. <laughs> so, let's be real. <laughs> But in day-to-day life, people don't know that. And as I, you know, go through this world, at least I can, as I'm out and about on the streets, you know, these are fellow Americans, fellow Angelinos, fellow human beings. And, you know, whatever your, your creed is, whatever your color, whatever your beliefs, like, at least I'm not going to make your day worse. And that's, I think, you know, kind of what, I would say is the big message is just, you know, it's, it's not hard to do. It's really not hard to do. It's just don't make somebody's day worse and, you know, live your life and do the small things and, and stay focused on each other because it's easy to lose sight of each other right now. And that's another thing is that as people feel isolated, they get, you know, and it kind of goes back to me, you know, being flat on my back after my surgery and being mad at friends and family. And it's like, they didn't know that I was feeling isolated and, you know, we don't know that we feel isolated from each other and we don't know what each other's going through because the stigma of talking about it makes you look weak, but they're really like, but you go to the doctor when you're hurting, right? Like why wouldn't you go talk to somebody if you're hurting on the inside as well? It's, I kind of see it as all the same now. And there really was a point in time where I was like, yeah, pfft, therapy, pfft, you know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really do look at it differently now that, you know, my, I've been through this transformation in life and, you know, so much has changed in such a short amount of time, but also just this overarching and it's, it's cool. I get to share it with you because you're somebody that's been there since, you know, a lot of the beginnings of this and has seen a lot of it. And, um, I'm glad you're still here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks.
1: Definitely. We will, we'll cook you up a nice meal and make you, uh, make you royalty here. So, and as always, you know, I, I, greatly appreciate, you uh, thinking of me for this and and giving me you know a platform to speak and take time. and you know as as one of my older friends in this game, you know it's important to hold on to each other. and um as people come and go and you know people go off to their different places and whatnot, you know I'm just really grateful that we've managed to hold on to each other. So just want to thank you again, my friend.
0: Thank you so much. So hugs, hugs and love. Virtual to hugs.
1: You. Virtual
0: <laughs> hugs. So where can people find you?
1: Uh, well, that, yeah. So actually what's kind of exciting, I'll, I'll keep it brief because I don't have too many details yet, but I literally started the process today. Um, I will be finally, uh, releasing actually for purchase or streaming either way. I'm totally cool with, People stealing it, as long as you're listening and like it. Um, I'm releasing five music albums at once. Which, oh, wow. Yeah, sounds psychotic. And it is uh, on a lot of levels, but I, I'm going to be doing that through Spotify. I don't have the details for that yet. But if people want to hear the material, they can go to SoundCloud.com backslash Mean Gene Oakland. That is the band that is the, the project. That's where you can go. You can actually, I've got everything that will be up on the Spotify is already up on the SoundCloud now. So you can already stream and listen to that now. Um, and it's actually just an instrumental solo project that I've been working on by myself the last few years, just as I, uh, as I came to LA and, you know, started networking and getting to know people and kind of how you end up in comedy too, is you just end up like, all right, you go from bands to, to comedy, and you're like, well, this is cool because I don't have to rely on four other dudes to show up. So comedy's great because I could, you know, do my thing. And musically, I was like, how do I do that? How do I do my own thing without having to rely on people? So I really just buckled down. I produced it myself. All the instruments are me. All the writing is me. It's all original material. I'm very, very excited. I'm very nervous because while, you know, musically i'm i'm confident i'm also as an artist as we both know you you shake in your boots at the thought of sharing your thoughts and feelings because especially in today's world with people being so critical and you know so many avenues for that uh that feedback you know it's kind of scary but i'm very excited because i've been working very hard on this and it's some of my i think some of my best life's work because i've i've been involved in bands forever and i've you know like i said i've I've managed to do a few things here and there, so this is exciting. But the SoundCloud is a great place. Also, Instagram, um, Mean Gene Oakland. Actually, it's Mean Gene Oak. O-A-K. And then if you just want to find me personally, um, you can find me on Facebook, it's Dano Wilson. And Instagram is Erica (laughs) Badooed. Which is great because uh people tag me all the time thinking that it's Erica (laughs) Badoo. (laughs) <laughs> so i've got all these like really random messages and shit it's really funny but yeah erica badude and it's uh du I believe it's two us let me just double check but
0: and i'll put this on the show notes
1: yeah as well so it's, yeah it's erica badude with two us but it'll be in the notes but yeah that's the best way to find me and i'm uh always out there somewhere floating around the world
0: cool and uh, you could find me on uh, vcomedy.com dot com dot dot com. My Instagram and Twitter is on my website, so that's the best way to get there. I am also on Cameo, so if anyone wants a personal video message, five bucks, get me on Ooh. Cameo, and you could uh, Venmo me at, at vcomic v e e c o m i c zero one two two v comic zero one two two on vemo that helps me out helps the podcast and um thanks everyone thank you so much for dan
1: thank for, you i thank appreciate you it dan.
0: <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> thank you dan for being on the podcast
1: i thank you so much again you know i love you to death you're one of my favorites and you know just the fact that you thought of me and gave me a chance to talk I, I greatly appreciate it my dear
0: cool yes so um, have a good one be safe and um, practice those budgets thanks everyone